Hello, hello, and welcome everybody to this week's episode of Everyday Perspectives. I'm Erin Panzarella, the host of the show, and I am so grateful that you are tuning in today. Today's episode is a guest conversation with Deb Acker. Deb is an intuitive relationship healer who helps women heal their relationships, and especially the one that they have with themselves. Our conversation is so expansive, and there is so much beautiful information within the entire conversation. We speak about so many different things, but we touch upon the definition of abandonment and trauma and the fear of abandonment and how it can come up within your life and how to heal it. We speak about the fact that your story is not who you are, but it does mold you. And that's actually a very beautiful thing. We speak about how emotions are stored in the body and how it's also important to honor your emotions and honor what is coming up and how it becomes an opportunity. We speak about setting healthy boundaries, cutting cords, overcoming what people think, and so many other topics that I know can relate to so many different people. There is so much important insights and opportunities for a lot of perspective shifts. So I don't want to go too long. Let's get right into this episode with Deb Acker. Hello, hello, and welcome everybody to the Everyday Perspectives podcast. Today, I'm joined with my guest, Deb Acker, and I'm so excited to have you here today. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have the conversation we're going to have today. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we get started with the conversation, I always just take time to tune into the body, tune into the breath, and then I also open up the space for my guides to come through the conversation. So it's just a good way to ground us, connect us, and it just feels really good. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to join me, Deb, and anyone who is listening and close down the eyes. And when we start this, we just tune into the body. Typically what that means for me is just watching the breath. Noticing how the breath is entering and leaving the body. If there's any sounds, sensations, noises, feelings, just noticing no judgment at all. Everything is exactly as it should be. Breathing in, breathing out. And if you want to join me, We're going to do three deep inhales and exhales in through the nose and out through the mouth. We'll do the first one together, and then you can do the other two at your own pace. 
if the exhale out the mouth decides to be an audible sigh, that's beautiful. If it's gentle and no sound comes out, that's perfect too. But whatever feels most in alignment for you is perfect. So if you want to join me, breathing in through the nose and let it out the mouth. And then just do it two more times at your own pace. And if you want to keep the eyes closed, just while I open up the space... Guides, spirits, guardians of the light. I ask you to come through with whatever messages want to come through today. I am so grateful for you connecting me and Deb for this podcast episode. I know that there are no coincidences and our paths are meant to cross. I hope that any messages that come through, come through kindly, clearly, and in highest good of all who are listening. I thank you for your guidance. I thank you for your wisdom. I am grateful. And then if you want to just gently wiggle the fingers, wiggle the toes, and then open your eyes, meeting yourself back into the room. (laughs) Hello. Hi. Well, Deb, I'm so glad to have you here. And I always start these episodes just with this question, who are you? Wonderful, wonderful. So that's a great question. <laughs> um, from a practical sense and kind of the way that I always like to start off is just sort of a little bit sharing my story. Now, my story is not who I am, but it's a little bit about where I came from. So that, you know, everyone that's listening can know, like, um, the way I hear to say it is like, I'm not just talking out of my ass (laughs) and that I am, you know, have been on the path and I've had my own struggles and it's something that I've worked through. Right. And that's how I've come to be and who I am in this moment. So really my journey for me began before the age of two. And it was at that point in my life when my dad left. And of course, he wasn't leaving me. He was leaving my mom. And he actually was in my life my entire life. That was sort of the start of the set of events that would set me off on my path and set me off on my journey. Now, my mother was my primary caregiver. And I saw my dad pretty much like once a week, typically. But um, when I was 17 years old, she passed away. And so those two moments really rooted in and defined an abandonment pattern that would take me 
um, decades uh, to heal. And really with that, you know, we tend to think of abandonment as, you know, a lot of times like being left on the streets. And for me and the definition I use with my clients is abandonment is when we have physically and or emotionally unavailable parents. And so sometimes that can occur through something really traumatic, like a divorce or a death or addiction. And sometimes it can just occur when we have parents that work a lot or when we have emotionally unavailable parents. But for me, as, after that happened and I went out into the dating world, that was when, you know, this abandonment pattern really started to get emphasized and really started to play out. And after a decade of it not working, <laughs> me banging my head against the wall and wanting things to be differently or different, um, after a decade of that, I was able to find and really open to, you know, I had been in unsuccessful therapy for that time and it wasn't working for me. And I was able to open to a new way of uh, really being um, and a new way of healing and really what would it take to heal my abandonment pattern, not just manage it, which is what a lot of practitioners had told me I would be doing for the rest of my life. But how do I actually heal that and heal so many of the patterns that came with it? Because for me, my journey um, and really what, what, how it was always meant to be was to create an amazing love relationship and then teach others how do we do um, the same, right? Their own version of that. And so, you know, who I am now is calm. Um, I'm in trust. I am peaceful. I am just in such freaking love of life um, uh, in total gratitude and not to sound cliche. I know those are a lot of cliche words and spiritual woo words, but um, who I am now is someone who has healed through that. And I know what it truly takes to fully heal our patterns in our life, especially our relationship patterns, um, how to fully forgive. I had, to, I had to do a lot of forgiveness work with my dad and that journey um, and how to live in love and love of life and love of others and where they are in their journey um, uh, and express that kind of that compassion as well. That's who I am now. So beautiful. I know exactly why you're here because, (laughs) (laughs) um, so throughout my entire life, I, the fear of abandonment has been like the undercurrent of so much. Um, I'm adopted. So that's number one, a very big fear of abandonment. Um, but my first dad, he passed away 11 days before my fifth birthday. So being adopted, I mean, I was never conscious of that abandonment wound until like a few years ago. But of course, with my dad passing away, um, that just was a very big event that just led my entire life. And I just really operated out of the space that everyone is going to leave me. Um, I really just felt like I was always trying to prove my worthiness to get people to stay. And what that really made was people leave (laughs) it's it's like it is so interesting (laughs) you totally relate because I I think what happens a lot of times when we have again yours came through um, adoption and through the passing of your first um your first dad but it's one of those things that wounding a lot of times it can show up in other ways too but one of the dominant ways it can show up is we fear of people leaving us and trying to do everything we can in our power not to have people leave you know and so for me um in my childhood and then into my adulthood especially on the dating it's like i would do anything to make sure someone stayed right i and i 
throughout my childhood, I was conditioned not to have a strong sense of self because a lot of it was, it's like you go into people pleasing because you're trying to subconsciously prevent people from leaving you. You go into like just becoming agreeable. You disconnect from who you are as a being, right? You don't know what you want because if you know what you want and it's different from what that parent or your caretaker or whoever's taking care of you wants, we subconsciously can make up, they will leave. So we just completely just disconnect from who we are. We don't know who we are. We don't know how to have any kind of dissonance or a different opinion from another person. And, you know, from there, then obviously as we go into more and deeper relationships and adult relationships, that just keeps playing out over and over until we start to work on it and heal through it. Yeah, for sure. Even like I had a very codependent relationship with my mom, of course, because I like clung to my mom when my dad passed away. But then like she met my dad uh, shortly after my first dad passed away. And we just, um, I just always had a codependent relationship with both of them because I was so fearful of that, like underlying, like they're going to leave me. Um, And I was afraid of people dying on me. I was afraid of them actively leaving. And then also my first dad's family, they completely abandoned me like after he passed away because it was from a previous marriage. So it was like so much abandonment within a very short period of time and being young, you always equate it to you're the reason. Like you don't have this concept that there's millions of other reasons why that happened. Um, So it's just very fascinating to me. But I also know through my own healing journey of this is, I get triggered sometimes. It will, it will come up sometimes still, but I also am very quick to recognize it. And the way that I operate in my relationships now is completely different. Like I don't have a fear that I'm going to wake up and my boyfriend's going to be like, bye, which I used to wake up with like dreams all the time of people leaving me. Like, every almost every night I would have some sort of abandonment dream so I know that doing the work changes things immensely yeah no absolutely and I should mention too so um something really important that you said a lot of times what happens when our parents they leave or you know they get divorced or they die you know we do make it our fault and what can root in as a result of that is a lot of obsessing or ruminating or overanalyzing cuz we perceive subconsciously that we could have done something different to get them to stay and so as a result of that where, you know, that obsessing pattern starts with like, what could I do differently in this situation? What could I have done differently that would change this? What could I have done differently that would make them want to be with me? What could I do? So that starts that obsessing ruminating pattern. And I'm sure you've seen this, I imagine too, with your clients. For me, it's like, you can work out of it. Like it's, it actually doesn't take a lot to really heal that. Like you don't have to spend your life obsessing and ruminating and overanalyzing and just getting in that, that feeling and that energy of no control. Cause that's really what it was about when we were kids and, and those things happened to us, right? We didn't have control of our environment. And even that's for people that had an abandonment pattern, this is coming up to share just really briefly, but the, for people that had an abandonment pattern, a little bit of, or a large part of what coronavirus could have brought up for you is your fear or loss or lack of control. And so understand that, um, and I know I'm sure you understand this, right? But um, understand, you know, for everyone listening that doesn't, isn't maybe aware of this, so much of that gets rooted in when we're kids and then something happens in our present day, like coronavirus, which is for traumatic for a lot of people, something like that can happen. And then that brings up something that was already rooted in from childhood. 
right? And something that you restored, got stored in your cells, got stored in your body emotionally. And then it becomes, you know, it's a magnetizer for your present day until it's healed, until it's brought to the surface, until it's worked on. Yeah, for sure. There's so much like important things that you just brought up. uh, (laughs) I really think that like a really big key pattern for, or key thing for me when I started my healing journey was like, it was stored in my cells. Something biological happened from that trauma. I'm so young. So I'm wondering uh, what that, like, how did you come to that conclusion? Do you have like science behind it? Is there like information that? Yeah. Um, No. So, you know, I have to say, I, I have like past lives of science experience experience. And I will say I'm really like when I was in school and a kid, I was really good at math and science. Like those were like my home zones. Um, I grew up in a very analytical family and like, you know, the mind was really valued and education and being smart, (laughs) you know, and all those things. And I will say that the, like, I'm sure I've heard it or read it somewhere, but so much of the information that I'm going to share today and the um, information that I've become aware of has just come through my own consciousness. Right. And so it's like, I always, it's like, okay, when we're in, even in the womb, if you choose to be there, there's two theories on this, but if you choose to be in the womb before you even come out, right, we have no boundary system. So we're in the womb and we are saturating in our environment until you know, well, even when we come out, but we're saturating in that environment. So that's kind of when it's like, if you imagine the energetics of your environment, which for me, my parents divorced before I was two. So the energetics of that environment, and I know I was in the womb, I can, I have a tangible feeling of what it's like to be <laughs> in that, in that womb space, right in this lifetime. But you know, it being in the womb, right? I was saturating already in the abandonment environment, in the in the environment of conflict, in the environment that my parents, I'm sure, were having difficulties, and my mother was probably already having the awareness. I'm not, you know, uh, that she was like this wasn't working, you know, at least on some level. And she was probably hoping it was going to work, but she was having that on some level of an awareness. So that right there, then you come out and again, you have no boundary system. So you come out of the womb and again, you are just saturating in the emotions of your parents. And because of the lack of boundary system, we are just literally energetically just taking on whatever they're sort of, you know, we're imprinting in those moments. Right. And I mean, that, even if, even if I don't have the science behind it, we all heard like you imprint from ages zero to seven. That's a common um, awareness and common piece. Right. And so Mm -hmm. you're imprinting from zero to seven and it's big things like what we're talking about today. And it's small things like, you know, I, I always use the example, you know, you ask your mother for a, uh, you know, a piece of chocolate and her wanting the best for you. She says, no, you should have an apple in that moment, we subconsciously make up conclusions like, I don't know what I want, or I can't have what I want, right? I can't have what I want because it's because someone's telling me I can't have what I want, or I don't know what I want because someone who's an authority figure is telling me, no, this is what you really want. And so those conclusions then get stored in ourselves if they hurt us and if they impact us, right? They can get stored in ourselves and they become a magnetizer for our present day until we exercise and have the voice that we need to have, right? Until we have that to express and say, you know what? I want chocolate <laughs> for, for instance. I mean, it's a really simple example, but um, until we, we make our voice matter and, you know, then that's when it starts to shift and starts to change. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that 
this is really important as well, because even people that I speak to, they're like, I didn't have a trauma, like a death, or like, I didn't have this sort of even like a lot of my friends, they like can't relate to me in some ways, because like, I had like very big events that happened. But they're like, I still feel so anxious, or like, I still have these patterns that I don't know why, but then they feel this guilt. The way that we internalize things with these smaller traumas, which are still traumas, they count. Like we didn't receive love in the way that we needed love in one moment. And that has a really big impact. And I feel like a lot of people are quick to dismiss that. Um, So I feel like the point that you're making is so important for people to hear, because even if you didn't have a death or divorce or whatever in your childhood, there's a lot of things that impact you and made you feel like you were unworthy or unlovable. We all have that. Um, So I feel like this point is so important that people would really benefit from it. Yeah, it's really interesting that we're having this conversation today because like right before I got on this call and I have never exactly thought about it like this or at least so consciously, but right before I got on this call, um, uh, I was thinking to myself about the traumas that our society does not define as trauma. And so I was really, uh, I'll use the example and I'm going to just say friends, it's because I don't want to go into details about who this is, but there's someone that um, I'm in contact with that has a sibling. And so this person grew up in an extremely loving, what society would define as an extremely loving family environment. You know, his parents are super loving, uh, you know, completely quote unquote, nor, you know, normal um, and has an older brother and the older brother. Well, the older, it was interesting. The older brother was adopted but the older brother is uh, like, he's so well integrated. It's like, he's just one of their kids. Right. So mm-hmm. they had the adopted older brother. And then the second, their second um, son that came in, he was, um, uh, you know, um, uh, he's uh, g- genetic, like he's genetically, yeah. like they had a natural birth. Mm-hmm. So uh, what ended up happening is, is that first of all, the older brother kind of felt like the younger brother was taking over his role or taking over his position. Mm -hmm. And in some way that younger brother had felt loss of control in that environment. And it was like, this older brother was kind of trying to usurp his power over the younger brother. And so here's this kid who grew up in this normal environment. So he does not necessarily have awareness. He's an adult now, but he does not have awareness. Oh my gosh, that was traumatic you know? And so then when things come into our life where there's a loss of control, all of a sudden he has an abnormally disproportional reaction or what society would define as an abnormally disproportional reaction because of that trauma of like really feeling out of control in his environment. So again, it is so important to understand, even if society does not define it as trauma, it is trauma. Like if it's like it, any anything that's not literally wholehearted love is trauma. I mean, that's, you know, so I just love that we're bringing this conversation forward because to, to, to have the understanding that to stop, stop just using what society's definitions of trauma are, which, you know, you and I both experienced more of that societal definition of trauma. And my heart goes out to anyone that um, has experienced trauma. So this is not at all to diminish that in any way. but to understand every single person experiences some level of trauma and what's traumatic to you, even if society doesn't define it, your pathway to healing is to recognize it and honor it as that was traumatic. Even if society is like, 
that's no big deal. Like what's, what's the big deal about that? Yeah, for sure. I think that's so important because I think also just society as a whole, especially with men um, are not very welcoming of feelings being honored. So I think that it's really important for people to like, understand like, Hey, this really impacts me. And that's okay. Like I'm allowed to be impacted by this. I don't have to brush it off, but I also, there's ways to heal it and there's ways to respond to it instead of that reaction, which causes very difficult relationships. I think that there's this line between like allowing your feelings and honoring whatever is coming up and then also not like outlashing at everyone too, um, which is something that I'm definitely working on because I think that it's really like, it's a balance there. It's hard to number one, honor your feelings. And then also number two, honor the fact that like, we're going to ruin relationships if we're constantly reacting to these feelings and triggers that come up constantly. Well, and let's talk about that because I think it's like so, so, so important. You were talking about the response um, somewhat like the response that someone can have to our emotions. And first of all, by the way, a lot of times when you, when us people who have grown up in these traumatic environments and stuff, we tend to be older souls. A lot of us are empaths. A lot of us are really sensitive towards our emotions and our feelings. So, and sometimes depending on, we can attract narcissists. So that can be part of that empath narcissistic dynamic. But, um, what I have found, and this is so important, is the more we build and connect to ourselves and we build that relationship with ourselves and we integrate into our own emotions, right? The more that we do that and love our emotions, like I am freaking so freaking in love with my emotions. I'm like, awesome, you know, and I like, I, I, you know, I envision in the type of partnership that I'm creating, just a partner who's like, you rock like that. Those emotions, those are freaking rad. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, I don't know if they'll use the word rad, but <laughs> I'm like, I hope they I don't do. typically. <laughs> I know. I was like, I don't typically use the word rad, but for some reason, I use that word right now. But no, I mean, your emotions are that your emotions are freaking awesome. So, and this goes along with anything, right? It doesn't have to be emotions, but anything in your life that someone's reflecting to you or doesn't fully accept within you, it's so important that we look at that place where we have judgments about it or where we're not fully accepting it within ourselves so that we can bring that and return it back to wholeness. And that creates more space for someone or many people, obviously in our life, not just our partners, but our many people in our life to reflect that back to us. Yeah, for sure. I think that this point that I you brought up before that is so key in this. Um, a lot of the times I was always so like fearful of abandonment, um, fearful of people leaving me that I abandoned myself. That was like my big realization, my big mm-hmm. aha moment is I kept abandoning myself in order to not be abandoned by someone else because I thought that that's what I had to do in order to keep them. But the people who stay like the people that are meant to be in my life are meant to be here because I'm being my authentic self. Like, I don't want to attract people that are loving and staying for the fake me or loving and staying for the me that I am projecting because I'm so afraid that they're going to leave me. Um, So that has been this like key realization in my life that it really was me just consistently abandoning myself. And then I created this abandonment with other people too. Yeah. And I think 
So first of all, like for people that maybe are newer to what does it really mean to abandon yourself? Um, just I'll give a few examples because I think it's so important. And years ago, like a decade ago, if you had said, Deb, you're abandoning yourself, I would have been like, no, I'm not. Like I wouldn't have been able to see it. And so first of all, you know, when we're willing to do things that don't feel right to us, right. When we're willing to do things that don't feel right, they don't feel good. They're, um, you know, like, I mean, one example of this that I remember for me is like sexually, right? Like what I was willing to do and not do, you know, I didn't have boundaries. I thought I could not have boundaries to uh, be loved. So I just kind of, it's like, you just keep, you go along and it doesn't have to be sexual, but you go along with what someone else wants. Right. Mm -hmm. And that part of that is people pleasing. Um, and it's not having your sense of self. It's even like, I'll give you an example, just kind of in our modern day, if, Depend not to get into a vaccine conversation at all, but like if you are on the side where you're like, I don't, it doesn't feel right to get vaccinated, or it does, and you don't do whichever the case is, wherever you fall, if you do the opposite of what it is you know in your heart and in your truth is right for you, that is leaving yourself, right? That is where we don't fully honor ourselves. So, and the more we do that, it the more we do that, the more uh, it gets reflected in our environment. Important to say too, like if you've ever met someone like that's super needy or will do anything that you want, is that even attractive? Right? I'm like, it's like, please want me. No, (laughs) it's it's not not attractive, right? So we tend to think like if I don't do what they want, we can tend to think if I don't do what they want, they will leave. But instead of and and um, Ken Page, uh, he has a book either Deep Dating or Deeper Dating, and um, sometimes I mention this in my interviews. I just think it's so so important and it's really profound. He talks about how what people found is that the more they were willing to bring forth their true self in partnership, in relationship, the more that they actually attracted the right person for them. So it's the exact opposite of like, oh, I have to do like, he's going to think this is weird, especially like, you know, um, if you're an empath and sensitive person and everything, and just like an all around weirdo, like, you know, or definition version of a weirdo, right? Um, in a good way. I don't mean that in a judgmental way at all. We love but, weirdos here. <laughs> right. So I was like, um, you know, if you define yourself as that, you have to be willing to bring that forward, even if that means possible rejection. With the idea in mind, again, the more it's integrated in you, the more you love it, the more accepting you are of like, I am going to let my freak flag fly, whatever that, whatever that means, right? I'm going to let myself come forward fully. The more you're willing to do that, the more you will keep pulling in um, ide- like an ideal partner until you get to the point where you're like, yep, that's the person, right? That's my person. Yeah. And I think this applies to every single facet of life. Like it really truly does. I mean, even like, this is something I'm really leaning into with my business. Like I just got to be my weird self and I will attract the people that I'm supposed to attract and everyone else. Like who cares if I don't attract them? Like it really is so about standing firm in my truth and being my authentic self in every facet. So even with friendships, I mean, relationships, like you can't disclude friendships, but even with my mom still, like there's been times where I was so afraid to tell her anything. I was like, so, so afraid. And we had a very distant relationship for a very long time because I was just afraid of what, how she would react. And we just have done so much healing. My dad, he passed away um, in May of 2019. So right before COVID like whole thing. And 
my mom and I have gotten a lot closer because I think we've finally realized like, all right, like it's time to cut this fakeness and it's time to realize what's actually important. And now, like I tell my mom everything she knows, like everything that I'm doing. I mean, not everything because we have boundaries and stuff, but like, there's just so much that I'm able to share with her that I used to be so afraid of sharing out of fear that she would leave. Yeah. Yeah. I I have to say, so I was smiling before because, uh, so my dad does, does not, he does not do this. He's not into this work or anything that I do and everything, but I do share like a fair amount. And he read my book. So my book living deeply, he, um, he read it and it's a lot about my healing journey, but it's also about a lot of the things that I did that were different to heal and to move into my full true self. But I was laughing because one time, not too long ago, I was sharing like that, um, I moved to Arizona recently or in the last year and, um, I go, sometimes I go for walks and I'll, I'll dance while I'm walking <laughs> and he actually, which is like totally not like him, but I was sharing this idea that I was like, yeah, I'll just meet him. Like, uh, you know, I'll just be out there dancing one day. And then he's like, yeah, you'll meet someone else. They'll be dancing <laughs> and, like on the sidewalk. And I'm just like, yeah, like, so the more, again, the more we are willing to just integrate and just bring forth our full, weird, crazy, just who we truly are. It's like, I freaking love that about me. I love that. I'm just unabashedly go outside. And I, you know, I don't care. I don't care what people think. A couple of things points to the not caring what people think. So as a really old soul, I can tell you um, that there can end up being, if we, if we have this overlay of worrying about what people think our whole lives or our whole life in this, this lifetime, what ends up happening at the end of our time here is we hold and we experience a lot of regret for not doing, for not just putting forth more of our true self, for not just being more of who we really wanted to be. So understanding that, first of all, that that's going to be, you know, that, that that is something that typically happens. And I will say one thing that's really helped me to overcome sort of worrying so much about what people think is this recognition, like so much of what drove that in when I was younger was like wanting people to think I'm a good person, but fundamentally I know I'm a good person. Like no matter what someone sees me doing or how they perceive me on social media or whatever, I know that I am good and great in this world. And the more embodied I became with that, it's like, I don't need people to, to reaffirm that I'm a good person. I am a good person, you know? And so that is just such an, was such an important piece and such, and such an important part of working out of um, that as a pattern for me. I have so much struggled with that outer validation of like whatever I was doing. So whether it was, if I was a good person, if I was like successful enough, pretty enough, I can apply that to so many different things. But what we've been speaking about is really getting firm with who I am and my own truth has, that has fallen away. Because I don't need someone else to affirm that I'm good enough or affirm that I'm a good person or to validate that because no one can validate it. I searched for that validation for so long and I was like, wait, (laughs) I'm not going to find it in someone else. I'm never going to find it in someone else. And then when I finally brought it back inward to myself, then other people started validating it for me without even me looking for it. Yeah, absolutely. The more embodied we get with it, the more we aff- we affirm it and really believe it wholeheartedly within us, the more it just gets reflected in our outer environment. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'm curious for you, what is like, 
your typical like boundaries look like? Um, is it different for like everyone? Do you have like certain things that you set um, like with relationships? What does it look like for you? So boundaries for me, I think that they are really specific to the individual. And I will say like, I just wrote a blog post on, um, uh, you know, negative, like when we have challenging or negative people in our life and how do we work through and set boundaries and really this recognition, you know, for me, I've had to come to this point on my path where just realizing like, you know, kind of almost like I'm not for everybody. And also I want and, and get and, and do have a freaking happy life, right? I get to have that. And so, you know, especially like, for instance, like if I meet, if, you know, I'm being, I'm in Arizona, so I'm, there's been this weird balance of like, how do I create friendships out here, for instance? And so then, you know, like I have a neighbor and she's a nice lady, but we're definitely, you know, um, we have definitely have different experiences, right? And it's been challenging for me because, you know, she hasn't done the work to rewire her mindset or to be a little bit more positive in her life. And my challenges with having boundaries and not t- like as an empath and as a sensitive person and the environment that I grew up, grew up in with my mother, I wanted to take all of her pain away. Me too. I didn't, I wasn't conscious of that, but I absolutely wanted to take all of her pain away. And so what ends up happening sometimes when I'm getting into newer friendships or newer relation, not relationships as much, but newer friendships, I can end up wanting to to do that for them or wanting to help them in a way that's not healthy for me. And so whether it's limiting my time, it's becoming aware of that relationship or that friendship doesn't make me feel good. It's also setting a boundary like, you know, like with family and just being like, you know what, that's not okay. Because our family, they have perceptions of us that... (laughs) You know, they don't really know who we are now. A lot of the time they know who we were, you know, and that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, for me, I can love them wholeheartedly, uh, assuming that they are also meeting and and being loving with me in that same way. Mm -hmm. But that does not mean that they get to just roll over me. It does not mean that uh, they get to do treat me in a way that doesn't feel good to me. And just because I'm different or I have a different belief then a family member doesn't mean that their beliefs are more right than mine. And that's been something I've had to work through, right? Because for years it was like, yeah, you buy into your family's belief because that's how you don't get abandoned. Right. And so now it's like, okay, but no, like I get to have an opinion. It might be different from yours. It doesn't make mine, you know, more wrong or more right than yours and vice versa. It just means that we can, how do we work through this? How do we lean in? So I don't know if that answers your question, but um, uh, that's just one thing. One thing also that I've noticed like with negative people in particular, it's like, can I find the ways that I really enjoy spending? Can I go from the abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset, right? And find the ways that, that I love that relationship or that they are, in positive, you know, positive and, and uh, positive impact in my life. So, yeah, I think that's so important. I noticed it, especially, especially in my own life. But I think that one of the really important points that you made is people don't see us as we are in this moment. They see us as they knew us for a lot of, like you were saying, especially, especially with family, it could be also lifelong friends that you've known forever. Um, but like recently I had to kind of like make a new commitment to my mom because I was judging her 
based on my entire life. Me and her are both on a spiritual journey. We talk about a lot of different things, but I just noticed that I still had these really like big belief systems. Like, oh, my mom's never going to support me in the way that I need her to support me. Or like my mom doesn't understand me or she's going to get annoyed. And then I was like, so annoyed that she didn't see me as I was in this moment. But truthfully, I wasn't seeing her as she was in the moment either, because I've been carrying this whole lifetime of, I also know we've been together in past lifetimes too. So probably past lifetime stuff as well, but it was just so fascinating because it's just a reminder of how everyone's a mirror. So like, I was so annoyed that she was judging me for a certain thing, but I was doing the same exact thing to her. Yeah. And we can like pull out the cords that we have to the ways that, you know, like our expectations that we have for the way someone's going to show up for us. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, like, and if that's a simple practice of just like, I always do with Archangel Michael, but it's like Archangel Michael, please pull out (laughs) any cords I have around the expectations of how this person or any judgments I have. Right. Um, and it's like, can you, so part of what we can do in, in that, in that moment or in, in the, is just to be so present with them. Right. Like with my dad, you know, neither one of us actually brings, and I think it was, you know, well, one huge part, he had his own um, journey through like spirituality and, and, um, you know, in getting into religion. So he had his own journey and, but in part, part of that was ignited by me. Right. And my literal, like deep down uh, wholehearted desire to forgive him. And then really working towards that to really fulfill that, not just have it get to a point where it's like a lot of people, when we go through forgiveness, we just say the words, I forgive them or, you know, or we can get to a space of neutrality, but we think that full, fully wholeheartedly forgiving them is excusing their behavior when really it's just, you know, it's totally setting us free. And so that space, when we can do that, then all of a sudden it gives you more space to be present in those real-time conversations where I can just meet him where he is and, and, and find love and amusement, you know, it's like if we're on different pages about something, right. But just really, because I just really want to have a relationship with this person, right. I just like, I totally love him wholeheartedly. And that's how I want our relationship moving forward until, um, the end of like, um, hopefully God willing, the end of his, you know, his journey here in this physical body, that's also super important to me. And and just such a huge part of my path in this life and was a key to unlocking. I really wanted a 10 in partnership. Like that's something that's so important to me in my love relationship. And one of the soul contracts I had was for me to fully forgive and heal that relationship with my dad, because I knew it was too easy to get into a relationship. Like it's so easy for us to kind of just, Oh, look, someone's there. Oh, they're attractive. Yay. (laughs) Like, you know, and you end up in that relationship and I knew it was, it would be easy to do that. So I set up these soul contracts where like, you have to learn how to fully forgive. You have to heal, fully heal your abandonment pattern. Like you can't no half, no half-assing it in this lifetime. And so that was a huge part of my path. And I'm grateful for it because it's, it's been phenomenal to release, um, that heaviness that I was carrying, right. That pain that I was carrying with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm curious, like how your journey, like, I know that you spoke about your story in the beginning, but where did your spiritual journey begin? Was it early adulthood? How did it, how did it? So, yeah. So, you know, I had that pattern, the abandonment pattern playing out in my relationship and just like you fear of people leaving me. And I was looking for people like they were wearing a sign. I'm emotionally available. I'm physically available. They weren't wearing the sign, but <laughs> they basically <laughs> were. <laughs> they were. 
they were. So, you know, after years of unsuccessful therapy where I had the awareness of, in essence, a little bit of why I was attracting the type of person. Now, I didn't connect my mother's death to any kind of abandonment. So I knew, okay, my dad left when I was young and that's playing a role in what's happening now. And then I finally was at the impetus where I was ready to do something different to create a different result. So that intention, even though I wasn't familiar with intentions at that point, that intention was infused. And so I ended up on this retreat and it was like an eight day retreat working on patterns, which at that point I just knew about an abandonment pattern, maybe like people pleasing or perfection, but I didn't know about hardcore patterns and, you know, ended up on this retreat and through that eight day retreat, I let go of so much of the anger I had had that I didn't even, I don't know that I was really consciously aware of, but so much of the anger I had towards my father and the choice he had made when I was a kid. Right. And, uh, had this, I woke up eight days later, I'm awake. I remember <laughs> I'm like, and pretty much, you know, I had a slight dozing, but in general, pretty much stayed awake from that point and really remembered. And my, my, my friends reflected that like, Oh, your voice dropped. And what I realized later was I had connect, I'd gone into my heart space. Mm-hmm. And so my voice got deeper as I, I was going into my heart space and really just started like, I, I had a different language, a languaging that they hadn't talked about at this retreat, but it was like, I remembered. And then all of a sudden I was like talking like, you know, spiritual master, (laughs) which I was just remember, I was just remembering what was true and remembering my path. So that was really the start of what put me on. And then it just became a practice of, I got into energy clearing about a year and a half after that. And it just became a practice of becoming aware of my patterns, uh, clearing the energy off of it, having my own back, doing inner child work, like, like significant inner child work, really integrating her with me so that we have each other's backs. Right. And she feels safe with me in this world. Um, and then really it's like, you're building that relationship over time, which I touched on. And so you're building that through the inner child. You're building that uh, through feeling my feelings and not running away from them and recognizing that this is an ongoing journey. It's not a one and done. It's not even a year and done. Right. But you're just continually doing these practices to stay with yourself, to not abandon yourself. And the more you do that, I'll use a a fun example that happened to me a few days ago. I was at the pool and I was at nighttime and I fell asleep um, at the pool. Like I'm in such trust. I'm like, I'm (laughs) I'm by myself. I'll just take a nap here. Uh And this, um, one of my neighbors who I don't know, I maybe have seen him once or twice. He came up to me. He came into the pool area, came up to me. There was no one in the pool area when I was there. And he came up to me and he woke me up and he's just like, I just want to, because it's like 90 degrees here or whatever, you know, he's like, I just want to make sure you're okay. And I'm like, I'm like a groggy, but I'm like, I'm fine. It's like, <laughs> I'm in another, another dimension right now, but <laughs> I'm totally we're good. Fine. <laughs> but that's the, pro- you know, it's like, you don't leave yourself. And then others like that, you don't even know will have your back. And that's a freaking powerful thing. Yeah. I love reminders from the universe like that. Like just like letting you know, like, Hey, you're on the right path because you just are constantly shown like that kindness or that love or someone looking out for you that you don't even freaking know. Like how beautiful is that? Yeah. It's, and that's part of the relationship with ourselves. Like we want, if you want to have um, you know, if any of us wants to have a strong relationship in the world and relationships where people have our own back, where they don't leave and where they just wholeheartedly love all parts of us, that's the power of doing the work and really connecting to and building that relationship with yourself. 
Yeah, for sure. It's so like, literally, it's so funny because I resonate so much with your, like just so much because I started to like, just have this knowing, like you're saying, like, you don't really know the exact science behind it, even though like, I'm also a very analytical person. Like I do accounting and like being smart was like something that was heavily valued. Schoolwork was like, you have to get A's. Like that's how I grew up in my, but like, I just had this remembering of all this different information and just even the language, like things come out. And I was like, I I was like, I don't even know where that came from. It wasn't me, but I just think it's such a beautiful thing. Do you think that I just personally believe that everyone has access to this? Um, Is that something that you subscribe to as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing is even the intuition piece, right? Like I'm an intuitive relationship healer. That's what I've called myself. (laughs) Um, But the, you know, people are like, oh, only, only certain people have access to intuition. The more healing work you do, the more you open up your intuition, the more you can access this truth. Our intuition is coming through for all of us, but a lot of us are not tuned to it. So we just keep tuning, tuning, tuning till at some point you get to the space where you just literally are like, oh, I just knew I was supposed to be there today. Right. I don't know why I knew I just knew. And I will say, like, I took a training that it wasn't literally just even I just knew this and I did it, but literally trained us to always be in a, the level of awareness, to always be asking questions, uh, to get clarity on what directions and, and the things we need in our life. So I use my intuition even today. Like I went to, um, there's a park with a lake and I was like tuning in like, okay, like, where should I go for my like hike walk today? Right. You know? And it was like, uh, you know, you won't have enough time to go here. You'll want to go here. Right. And I, that, when I felt it, I was like, Ooh, that feels good. <laughs> that feels right. Right. So, you know, just for everyday decisions and then for long-term decisions, but I believe that we all have the ability to open it now. What happens is we wake up at the level that we were last awake at. So people are like, well, why don't like, I, I have this person's coming to mind specifically where she spent 10 or 20 years doing the kind of work that like in eight days I woke up at, you know, and to get her and, and we're still at different points in our path, which no good, no bad, no right, no wrong. Yeah. But, um, you know, you will wake up. So like the older soul you are likely, or at least the more awake you, you were able to come by, right. You will wake up at that point once you become awake. And so the more, that's why it's like as souls, we tend to think of like success as like trying to get to some end point, but this recognition, I always describe it as this, um, you know, we have this infinite roll of film. So if we see our lives like an infinite roll of film and in this one, um, this is like old school, <laughs> but it's like, you know, this one life is this one, you know, role that you took. But if you can see your, your, your entire soul life as this infinite roll of film, right. And you just keep picking up where you left off, which is why there's so much value in healing, right? Cause you're going to keep choosing to or likely keep choosing, you know, you can choose a lot of things, right. But you're going to keep choosing to come down as a soul to keep having these different experiences. I had an abandonment pattern in many lifetimes. And I always was like, I'm going to remember, I'm going to remember. And I didn't like, I, like I'd forget, I'd be I get lulled into, you know, some version, or maybe I remembered, but didn't get to the point that I wanted to get, which was fully healing it. Mm -hmm. So then I would choose another thing to, you know, wake me up, so to speak, right. To ignite it within me. And so this recognition that, you know, we are on this healing path and it continues from lifetime to lifetime. So you can't, it's like, if you, in this life, you forget, or you don't remember fully, 
perfect. Like you'll just pick it up in the next life. If you choose, you know, you'll pick it up and then you'll pick it up from there and, and just keep doing it until it's like, it's like awake, 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 <laughs> like until you're like, Oh, I'm awake now. I remember. So, um, yeah, so that's just something, something important to, to recognize and be aware of. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was also wondering because you were saying that like, even going on your hike, you're like, where should I go today? Do you say it out loud or do you like think it? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, you don't, there's no wrong the right way. So like, if you want to say it out loud, cool. But it's like, then it's like noticing it either whether you say it in your head or you say it out loud, it's noticing what's the immediate awareness that pops into my consciousness when I say that, you know, or even if it's a feeling like we all have these different uh, ways that our guides communicate with us and that not just our guides, our intuition comes through. And so really recognizing that space of, okay, how, you know, they might just come in with a feeling because you're really, you know, uh, well, it would be clairsentient, clairsentient you're really, yeah. <laughs> you're really fe- feeling being right. Mm-hmm. So they might just come in from that space. So it's like, okay, I'm going to ask this question. And then what is the immediate experience that I have that answers the question? And it may not be immediate, but a lot of times it can be, especially something like that, where it's like, Ooh, oh, or I get this vision. I opened up all my clairs. So I had mm-hmm. two of them kind of going, I probably had them all open and then I shut them down being in my childhood experience, but then mm-hmm. I open them all up again. So it's like, sometimes I'll get visions, I'll hear things, I'll see things, I'll feel things, I'll know things, you know, all of them mm-hmm. are all operating at, at one point. Yeah. It's so interesting because the Claris keep mm-hmm. coming up for me, like within the last two weeks, I've heard like 10 people, like just talk about the Claris, like, like I've, I mean, I know I'm definitely a clairsentient, um, clairaudient as well. Um, I don't really have the vision. um, But it's just very fascinating to me because it keeps coming up like very frequently. So I'm like, this is, I'm like, what's going to happen next? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know the clairs. I mean, like, you know, I worked with a coach that helped me to open the vision part of it and the hearing Mm -hmm. more. And I, so it's in part, it's tuning and it's in part, like if I made a decision, like I had clear, um, uh, you know, audience for instance, mm-hmm. and if I made a decision, like I heard something I wasn't meant to hear. So say for instance, you had, a, you heard your parents fighting, right. Or, in, or you knew, oh, they're going to get divorced and you didn't want to know that, but it was sort of kind of came through with a, wow. with a more clear audience message. Mm-hmm. You may shut it down be like, or especially if you brought it forward, like, are you getting divorced? And your parents lied to you about it. Right. Like, weren't ready to face that conversation. Mm-hmm. All of that is so important because then all of a sudden you shut, you can shut down those pieces of your intuition until you're willing to acknowledge, look at, I mean, there's a lot of pieces to it, but until you're willing to heal and look at and go, wait a minute, I did know the truth. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot of times in our environments, like when we knew the truth, it got us hurt. It got us, you know, I mean, that could be past life stuff too, but it got us hurt. It got it, you know, it got us in some way, it could get us in trouble. It could get us abandoned. So all of those pieces were, are so important when we start to look at and go on this intuitive journey and just open to the intuition that's always coming through. Yeah. It's so interesting because when you said that a light bulb went off in me, because like, I know, especially mm-hmm. with like clear cognizance, like the knowing, like I shut that down real, real, real down because I didn't even like know who I was anymore. I didn't like trust anything that came up with me and that I would lie all the time. Like there was just so much. And I know why I did that, but you just bringing up, like, even if like your parents were fighting, like my parents happened to have very loud voices. So, <laughs> um, so I definitely like shut down the Claire audience for sure. And then it's just like, so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm definitely um, always tuned in to the consciousness of the message. It's like, oh, man, that's a good thing to say right now. But no, yeah. I mean, it is so important. 
I mean, we are all meant to be able to access our intuition. We are all, we're not meant to be robots in this world or to be in this world, like just sort of getting by, you know? And I think that that's, we're all like, so many of us can get into the patterns of trying to feel or be safe in this world. And especially now that's emphasized in a different way with coronavirus, but you know, that being the case or not, like where in your life are you trying to feel safe or be safe or do something that's the safe thing instead of the thing that lights your heart on fire instead of, there's a lot of ways safety can show up, but I'm talking about this from the space of like, you know, where are you trying to like, it's like, Oh, I just want to have a secure paycheck. And I get it. Sometimes like that has to be the way it is for a while or has to be the, you know, the way it is to support our families and everything, but really noticing those spaces and understand as a being, you are meant to really bring forth and be able to be your full true self, your fully expressed self. You're meant to be happy, not just on the weekends or when you go on vacation, but you are meant to be happy 24 freaking seven, uh, 365 days of the year. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, you know, you were meant to have that. We all are. And, and looking at being willing and open, if you seek it and if it speaks to you to look at the spaces where maybe that's not true for you, not you specifically, but just anyone listening. Yeah, for sure. And I think that even just like the point of with COVID-19 and everything coming up right now, like safety has been a global scale issue. Um, I'm a little nervous in terms of like what the impact is going to have on the children growing up during this time, just because especially with a zero to seven, um, just knowing the impact of what my own life unpacks. But I think that the consciousness of the world is definitely waking up, I think that um, the vibration is getting higher and we're just going through a lot of craziness right now. Um, But I'm like slightly nervous for the children. Well, and I want to speak to that because here's the thing. Um, Parents do this too. And I've talked with people on other um, interviews as well as with clients um, of mine and people that have been in my workshop. And we are like so nervous about doing something wrong with our kids. Like we can be so nervous. I'm going to, oh my God, I'm going to give them the wrong message or I'm going to mess them up. And we, th- there's the understanding that they chose to come in during this time with, with infinite possibilities. There's no like predetermined thing, but it's infinite possibilities. But one of the possibilities was some version of coronavirus or something, right? And so understand while yes, that's freaking hard. And yes, there's going to, there's messages that are getting infused into them and that it is going to impact them. It, It is a trauma that, that can impact them. They chose to come in during this time to get those lessons. Now, whether those lessons are coming through coronavirus or through a parent, you know, making a choice or like even the example I used with the apple and the chocolate, right? So it's all perfect. So there's this like, there's, it's like this, this shift from, oh my God, they're gonna, I'm not you in general, but just like in general for anyone that's feeling this way. Right. Yeah. It's like this shift from, oh my God, they're going to get so fucked up. <laughs> like, which is, I mean, it's a yeah. very understandable right. fear, right? Not a, there's, it's like, it's very important. It's very understandable. It's very important. You honor that. And this understanding that they are like this trust and understanding that the path is unfolding perfectly right? This trust in the path that they are experiencing, right? And it's possible like, you know, maybe they needed a lesson around being able to trust more. Maybe they needed a lesson on to, to know how to feel safe in this world, right? Maybe they needed a lesson on learning how to play and like, let go, right? Um, so all these spiritual lessons that can come from it, that does not dis- um, dismiss the significance or severity of what has happened in our world. 
Um, but it is important. Part of what one opportunity that coronavirus is bringing up is this, can you, is this opportunity, can you trust your path, right? Can you trust, like, you know, for me, I've always said, you know, my path isn't that I'm going to touch the wrong cart in a, you know, in a store and get right. coronavirus, mm-hmm. right? And so um, can you trust your path? Can you trust the unfolding of that? And if right now you're like, well, I can't relate to that and I'm terrified, perfect. That shows you the next thing that needs to be worked on and moved through for you to keep evolving as the being you are meant to be in this world. That does not dismiss that it's scary. That does not dismiss that it's hard. It does not dismiss what's going on in our world and and the pain that people are experiencing. But instead of being scared of it, can you lean into that fear and allow it to take you to some place that you maybe weren't able to go without it? A men. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it's so funny. I was also having this, <laughs> I was having this thought before we got on that. I don't know why this popped into my consciousness, but it was popped in during my walk. I, uh, in one lifetime, I was like a reverend. So I, like, sometimes I tap into my, uh, my, like the, the that level, that level of my spiritual roots. <laughs> like, I love it. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> and play is such an important part right because it is I mean this world here's the thing our pain can take us in places that we can't go without it it leads to more play it leads to more joy it leaves it leads to more aliveness in this life um so you know all the joy and play that you're seeing even in this conversation with me right that has all stemmed from my ability to go deeper with my pain and not avoid it and not um dismiss it not run away from it now i'm not saying that sometimes i don't go run to the ben and jerry's <laughs> or you know have my own versions of this um though it gets less and less as i you know you keep practicing but part of what we are doing is we are practicing wiring into that intensity can i keep getting more and more comfortable because i use this example i actually love i freaking love this example but i am terrified of heights and you will find me um, on a lot of times when I travel, which I haven't done recently, but mm-hmm. when I travel, you will find me uh, skydiving, hang gliding, bungee jumping, um, canopying or uh, zip lining. So you will find me that. Now, that does not mean that, especially like right before it's time to leave the platform or whatever <laughs> that looks like, that I won't be like almost in the fetal position on the ground. <laughs> what the heck am I doing? But what I do, what I'm doing through that is I am rewiring my body for that intensity. And the same thing goes with our pain. Can it's like the more we can keep rewiring, it gets easier. It gets more comfortable. And so part of one opportunity again in this last year, and just in general in our lives is, can we lean into that? Can we get a little bit more comfortable instead of running to the Ben and Jerry's for one minute? Can I sit in, oh my God, I'm so freaking angry that that happened at work, or I'm so devastated by fill in the blank. Can I sit in that just for 30 seconds or a minute before I go run to the Ben and Jerry's? Because the more you can do that, you're going to find life gets so much more freaking juicy as a result of that. Yeah, truthfully, I have like never cried from joy as much as I have in like the last like few months. Like I just like I'm standing crying because I'm so happy to be alive. 
And that is only because I've gone into the depths and felt like all the grief, all the pain and really like felt it. And that unlocked this level of joy. And like before, before my healing journey, like I didn't even feel joy from anything. Like you could put me in the most beautiful. This is like just an example of that. I went on a teen tour when I was younger. So I went across on a bus with teenagers like led by like 25 year olds driving this bus and they drove us across the country to all the sites. We went to like Mount Rushmore, Grand Canyon, whatever. I can't remember like any of it because I wasn't even like present enough to be in that beauty. And like, it didn't make me happy. And like, now I'm like, okay, I had to revisit every single one of them because I know I will revel in that joy and it will bring me to my knees wherever I go. Like, I truly know that because that's the way I experience life while I'm standing on my roof when there's pigeons flying around and like, I'm looking at a cloud. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I love that you brought this up because when I went on that first retreat, I made an investment in myself financially that I had never made up until that point. And I remember my guy friend at the time saying to me, I'd, Deb, I'd rather go on vacation with that money. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like anything's a choice and we can all enjoy it. But what that investment in me did was gave me the ability to enjoy every single vacation and every single moment, just like we were describing, right? It's like I was at the, they have like a, like a, pond lake thing you can walk around I have many of them here but surprise which is surprising it's Arizona but you know it's like I like I even just three days ago four days ago I was walking on the same space and I was crying because I was like in such tears of of gratitude and so what so much of the time when we can go on this healing journey when we can go on this awakening journey however that looks it doesn't have to mean a major financial investment right but when we can really open to that that creates so I can enjoy every single moment in my life and be so much more present with every single moment in my life. And one other thing I should bring up with that is what creates presence for us is the more we heal, the more we clear our past. And the more we clear our past, instead of like literally someone cuts me off in traffic and it reminds me of a time when I felt not seen in my childhood, instead of that, and I'm sitting at lunch with my friend and I'm pissed off about getting cut off in traffic right? It's like, it keeps pulling me into present moment, pulling me into present moment. And then it's like, all of a sudden I'm in present moment. So it's even for me, like the, you know, if something is upsetting to me and and I, especially like, if I'm going to go spend time with someone or I know I'm not gonna have time to feel it before I'll give myself even a minute in my car just to get, to feel whatever that brought up, whatever that experience brought up so that I can be present and enjoy more of this life in that present moment. Um, And so, and it's just continually just keeps pulling back into present moment. So I'm not living my future and I'm not living in the past. Yeah. A thousand percent. Um, One of my questions I always ask is like, what is a tip or tool or one piece of advice you would give to someone? One. Yeah. So, I mean, just one, uh, <laughs> you're like, just, <laughs> I'm going to go on my course right now. <laughs> no, the one thing I always love to say is that, um, at the end of a day, especially when you've had something hard happen, either at the end of the day or that later in the weekend or whatever, but taking time as soon as you can to just be with yourself. And if you can't, if you are familiar with inner child work, being with your inner child around that experience. So if you feel dismissed at work, 
that day when you're laying in bed and that evening, right? And you're just before you're going to bed, it's like, can I have a little dialogue with myself? Like, hey, how did that feel to you when that happened? I didn't, and just to express it in real time, I didn't like that. I don't want to be treated that way. That was not okay, right? The more we can just express that and do it as more of a practice versus again, a one and done, or I go on this retreat and I do all this work and then I come home and I don't pay any attention to it. The more we do that, the more it brings us into present moment, the more less upset you're going to, you're not going to go to work the next day and be upset and then create another snowball effect where something else happens because you haven't faced it. Um, And yeah, it's just a beautiful thing that ends up happening where things start to shift and change. Yeah, for sure. That is such a beautiful piece of advice. It's something I implement in my life all the time, because there are those moments where I'm triggered. There are the things that come up and I know if I don't feel them, they get pushed down into my cells and then they live with me until I decide to, again, bring them back up to the surface. So I'd rather just deal with them as they come. But then also like knowing that, like you were saying, like doing it later in the day, if you're at work, you can't really like have that time at work. Maybe you can, if you have a closed office and you can do it. But I think that like just having that time during the day, like a little bit after when a time is more quote unquote appropriate for you to be able to feel everything coming up. Um, Cause a lot of times it's not like we can do that in the moment. Um, so I think that is such a beautiful tip for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it just helps us to be really more, pre- more present in our lives and more in that relationship just helps you to feel safe because you're not avoiding it. And like you said, it's like that we don't, we, when we avoid it, the message gets louder. So that's the other, you know, an important piece of that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there any book that you would recommend? I know that you said deeper dating. Um, yeah, and then, deeper, and deeper then your, dating. And then your book was living, yeah, deeply? living deeply. So it's living deeply. And it's got a long subhead, a transformational journey through deep pain, loss, and abandonment to healing, self-love and miracles. This book is so freaking awesome because it's really um, what I write. I write it from the space of wanting to help people to really become aware of things that they're maybe not aware of to really help. Like, can you go all in on your life? And then from the space of, I do some really unique things to create in my life. And so as a creator being in a body, like, so I've got the part of around healing and how do you heal yourself? And then the space of like, how do you actually create amazing, awesome things in your life and move into that space of miracles in your life? So, um, and it's all about my journey of how I healed my abandonment pattern too, and fully forgave my dad. So I'm going to read it because it sounds like something that's so up my alley. <laughs> Is there any other book that you would recommend? Um, just in general, the, one of the people that really put me on my path and really helped support me is Wayne Dyer. So, um, he is amazing and he just had so much good pieces of consciousness and a lot, so much of his stuff. It's like, you're listening to a class of his, and I think they even have a lot of his classes on tape and on, you know, on audible. So that Mm -hmm. was, I used to be a medical sales and that was a, um, uh, such a cool thing when I would be driving to an appointment, you know, out of state or whatever, I could turn one of those on and it just, you know, you feel so uplifted and it shifted me. I mean, it was just part of my awakening process. So I definitely just recommend him as an author. Yeah. I I love Wayne Dyer like so much. He was like one of the first people, my mom, she's been like a Reiki master for like 20 plus years. Um, and so she like really got me into Abraham Hicks and Wayne Dyer. So like, and like Louis, Louise Hay and that they just like always hold a very secret space in my heart. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. They're um, Abraham Hicks is, they've got a lot of good stuff on YouTube and everything. They're good. Yeah. I, I went to a few like of their live, um, like seminars or whatever it is. And it was like, it was a cool, it was a cool energy to be a part of for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, how can we work with you? Where do we find you? Give us all the details. Yeah. So you can find me at www.deborahacker.com. It's just D-E-B-O-R-A-H-A-C-K-E-R.com. And I'd like to invite anyone that feels called that wants to take this work further, right? That's on a healing journey and looking for support and really healing their patterns, healing their relationship patterns, creating amazing relationships in their life, but also just creating an amazing life and really taking charge of your life where you feel like you're in control. I have a 30 minute relationship assessment. Um, it's complimentary. Um, and you can apply for that. Um, uh, uh, I'm assuming you'll have the link, um, yes, I gave, I will. Uh, <laughs> the link for it, but in that relationship assessment, what part of what we'll do is I'll share with you the truth about what's creating, you know, pain in your relationships. And then we'll put together a plan of how to start to shift that to have healthy, loving relationships in your life, beginning with you first, and then <laughs> let those roll out <laughs> into all other aspects. So yeah, I definitely invite if you feel called, I would love to speak with you and connect with you. Yeah. And then I will put all the ways I'll put the website, I'll put everything in the show notes. So if anyone is interested, they will reach out to you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. So, thank you so much, Deb. Uh, this is such a beautiful conversation. I'm so excited to connect with you and thank you for being here. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I very much appreciate it. What a beautiful conversation with Deb. I am so grateful to have had her on here and for you guys to hear all of her beautiful insights. If you want to connect with her, I'm putting all the ways to do that in the show notes. If the episode resonates with you, I hope that you will share it with a friend. I know that there is so much beautiful information here that could be really helpful to a lot of people. If you are resonating with Everyday Perspectives podcast and haven't subscribed already, I hope that you will. If you are really vibing with it and you leave a five-star rating and review and email it to me or send me a DM on Instagram... With the review, you also enter into this month's giveaway for an energy healing and channeling session with me. I am just filled with gratitude for Deb and for you for listening to this week's episode. And I'll catch you on the next one. 